0: So, Pastor Wes, um, he spoke last week on a message. It's a, it's a very common message with him, and that's important, right? Like, I think it's important to understand uh, what's on a person's heart, not just, like, for the year, but what's on their heart, like, for their life, Amen. right? And, and, and I think something that Pastor Wes preaches, and it's like a message for his life, is daily. It's something that's always burned into his brain. It's something he's always lived. It's something that has just always come naturally to him. And so here he is, lead pastor of a church. What's he going to do? He's going to preach to you guys about daily, daily seeking God, daily seeking fellowship, daily devoting ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, right? Uh, And so he asked all of us pastors to come up here throughout the next few weeks and share messages on our heart, what we desire for the community. And if anyone's paying attention to anything that I said last year, a big thing that I said quite a bit was, just this concept of like just being happy in him, right? Just being happy in God, waking up in the morning, grateful to be a Christian, walking around throughout your day, grateful to be a Christian, right? Just all of these things. I remember when I was a little boy and I was, I, I grew up Mormon and um, uh, which by the way, pray for the Mormons, amen. Um, and I was sitting there and we were always taught, you know, all the other churches are wrong. Only the, uh, the, the, the LDS church is true, right? And in the prayers that they teach you to pray, one of the things that they teach you to pray is, uh, uh, and I know the church is true. It's like a mantra. Every time that you pray, one of the things you always say is, and I know the church is true, right? Like you're testifying that the Mormon church is true above all other churches because we have doctrine that they don't. And I remember I was sitting back one day, and I really thought about those words. I was like eight years old, and I got really, I felt just odd. I was like, you know, um, all my friends don't know that the church is true. Obviously the Mormon church, I'm sorry to burst your bubble in here. The Mormon church is not true. The restoration of the gospel is not true. I was actually the inverse. I was living in a lie, right? But I had this feeling of despair that the people in my life, they didn't know that the church was true, right? Now, now, now flip it over here, right? In our Christian walk. Do we have that same kind of conviction? Because I'll tell you what, my eight-year-old me, was a lot more convicted than 28-year-old me, like 28, uh, sorry, 20, not 28 years later, it'd be 36, 20 years later, right, it almost seems like a, like a, there was a conviction there that even though it was aimed down the wrong side of the street, uh, should have been brought over, right? Something Pastor West preaches a lot about is uh, God redirects things about us, right? Like Peter was always a hothead, he just made him a hot head for the Lord, right? So like when's the last time you really sat back and you thought about the fact that, man, you are in a relationship with the living God and it's real, and it's truth, and it's the only way. And all the people around you don't have that, right? There's, 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 it's, it's a double-edged sword. On the one side, you're like, man, the lost, they need to know you, God. But on the other side, the personal side, when's the last time you saw them? and you're like, God, I could be doing anything right now. I could be caught up in anything right now. I could be anybody, but I'm not. I'm your child. My eternity is secure in you. When's the last time we really stopped there and thought about it? We were driving by the Fiesta, which isn't there anymore, right? Uh, so uh, Johnny always points it out. He's like, Daddy, the building's broken. And I'm like, yeah, it's broken. Now it's just gone. And we're driving, and like, there's, the, there's that hole where they had the $8 movie tickets when everyone else is charging 15 Man, Fiesta, they held on for a while, okay? And then they didn't. And, you know, God, God, God be glorified, right? God be praised, whatever's building right there, right? It's awesome. It's just a giant dirt lot. We're driving by. I'm looking at the mountains, and I'm thinking, I'm like, it just kind of hit me. And I was like, God, like, I know you. I don't have to wonder where I'm going. I'm not locked in something else, and I don't even know it. My life is not a lie. And when it was, I didn't even know it, God. I thought I was fine the way I was before. You opened my eyes, and now I truly am fine. And I just had this thing mirror. I was like, God, like, I know you. My eyes are open. I'm not being lied to anymore. My life has purpose and value and meaning. And it just hit me just driving in the car. And I'm just thinking, like, God, this is incredible. And I looked over at Jesse, and I'm like, Jesse, like, we know God. Like, we know God. Remember when we didn't? Remember when we were trapped in our sin? Like, we know God now. And that really began to hit me. I was thinking about, like, happy in him. Like, we are happy in God. We find our joy, our peace, our rest in God, and we're happy, we're blessed, we have peace, amen? Even when everything's going nuts outside, right, we always return to that place of knowing to just rest in God, right? Sometimes we don't always act on it, and that doesn't mean you don't have peace, right? You you always end up at that spot, right? You, You... you're messing around a little bit. I think the term is trifling, right? You be trifling just a little bit, right? Amen, amen. And then, and then, and then, God goes, "Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. You go, oh, hey. Oh, you're right. Peace. The peace of the Lord is right, right. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Praise God." <laughs> but I was thinking about happy in Him, and I was like, "Man, that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday. We're going to talk about happy in Him." I was really thinking about it though. It kind of hit me like, "No, we're not." Because I was thinking of the old adage, right? Uh, feed a man, right, right, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, so I was thinking like, well, okay, well, I think happy in him is just like a branch from a tree, I think it's just fruit, I think something that just comes from something healthy, so I was asking God, I was like, God, what is the tree, like, what is the source of that, because more will come from it, if I simply teach you about being happy, that's all you're really gonna, but if I can teach you really what the source of that is, I think more is gonna come from that, amen, like, I could teach you about joy, but I should rather teach you about the fruit, Sorry, I should rather teach you about the Spirit, and then the fruit of the Spirit will happen in your life, right? right. So we understand that biblical concept, right? Okay, praise God. And I was thinking about abiding. Simply abiding in God. Being in God. I cannot be happy in God if I am not dwelling in Him. Amen? So today's sermon is called Abide. There's the awesome graphic. Birthday girl, shout out. Holla, Amelia, there we go. Awesome, thank you. Abide. All right, so, so that is the key word today, and uh, the, the, the section of Scripture I'm, I'm going to be reading out of, we're going to read John 15, 1 through 11. The verse we're going to read first, though, as our thesis verse is John 15, 5, but really quick, I just want to point out some things, right? Give you guys some, some context, okay? Jesus, John 11, he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead, Right? And then when he's done doing his stuff, he gets up and he leaves, and he goes and he does the triumphal entry, right? Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? All that fun stuff. Something I did not realize in my most recent read-through, in uh, John 12, there's a verse, I, don't, I didn't write it in my notes because I'm brilliant. Um, there's a verse that says that those who bore witness to Jesus' raising of Lazarus were in the crowd testifying of him. So when Hosanna is going on, people are testifying that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Mm. And then the Pharisees come up and say, no, 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 stop it, Jesus, Jesus, make them stop, right? But in the the midst of all of that, Jesus is being proclaimed as the resurrection and the life. Uh, Probably not in those words, because those are the words he said to to Mary, right, and to Martha. But understanding, like, that that's what he did, that they're saying, you know, he showed up, and this guy who was dead for four days came out, and we had to unbind him from the grave clothes. And his body was fine. He was, he was completely intact. I don't understand this, but this guy walked in, and a man that we all loved is alive and well and in his right mind with us. And so in that place, right, they're glorifying him. Here he's coming into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, right? He's fulfilling all of this prophecy, and there they're proclaiming, this guy brings resurrection, this guy brings life, this guy brings us out of the grave, right? And he's going through, and he rolls through. He does the whole thing, right? He kicks people out of the temple. He starts whipping them, right? Holla. Jesus is amazing, right? And then he goes through, and he says, cool, it is time for the Passover. Yeah. And he says, guys, go and find a, a dude, and he's going to be doing some stuff and say a thing to him, and he'll take you to a house. And sure enough, it happens just like that. They go find a dude, he's doing something, they take him to a house, boom, pow. We're inside of this house, right? He sets it up, there's this whole Passover feast, and before they get eating, Jesus takes off his outer garment, puts a towel around his waist, and washes all of his disciples' feet, including Judas. Washes their feet, tells them he's made them clean, and tells them to do likewise. And then he goes forth, and he begins to give them the promise of eternity. Where I am, you shall be. Also, right? That's where Thomas is like, No, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, No, no, no. Where I am, there you will be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, would I not say it, right? He's like, where I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you. gives them this promise of eternity, of eternity in God, that they have a place to belong, that they have something to look forward to. And he's telling them, you don't have to be insecure about these things. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. You know what I'm doing. You know where I'm going. You will be there too, and I will not leave you or forsake you. I will give you the Holy Spirit. He gives them the promise of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, all right, guys, I tell you all this stuff so that you won't be dismayed, so that you won't be uh, uh, confused, so that nobody can lie to you. And he says, now let's get up and go. So he gets up and he goes, and he walks to Gethsemane. And on the way to Gethsemane, he takes the time to teach them one more lesson. I am a big fan of what we call swan songs, right? And I don't mean like, I don't know if it means anything else. But when I look in the Bible, understanding the concept of a swan song, right, it's your last thing. So uh, Paul 2 Timothy, that's his swan song, right? That, that, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm going to write a letter to a guy who is basically my only child. He's not my child of the flesh, but he is my child in the spirit. Right. And I'm going to, it, this is so important. I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. Right. He writes to him like he's planning on seeing him, but he's also writing to him like he thinks he may not. Right. And so think about that. Someone you love and you cherish, you have one more opportunity to speak to them. What you're going to say is going to be pretty important, right? Yeah. It's going to be very important. So that's why uh, if you've been around here long enough, you know I like to teach out of 2 Timothy a lot because it's some of Paul's most uh, intense messages. Yeah. And there's like no filter. And he's like, listen, this is just how it is because I don't have time. Right. So here it is. Jesus, he knows he's going to die. He's going to see them again in the glorified body and then send them out, right? But it's his last moments with them in the flesh before his passion. And he stops and he takes the time to teach them. And it's all summed up here in this one verse, John fifteen five. I am the vine you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord. You are with us. You are amazing, God. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, God, that we could receive your word. And Lord, that we would abide in you and that your word would abide in us, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. So, abide, right? The the key word here is abide. We're going to read that word quite a bit. Uh, In the Greek, it is the word meno, which is M-E-N-O, and it simply means uh, to remain, abide. So it means to just don't move on, stay where you're at. Remember when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, remain in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes upon you and I send you out, right? He told them to abide in Jerusalem. Only what Jesus is about to tell us to abide in, he never says remain until, He says, remain and keep remaining. Stay and keep staying. Stay put and do not move on from this ever. Right? We always think about there's bigger and better things. We're going to graduate. There's some things we just never graduate from. And from the moment that we are saved and we are in God, there is no higher calling. There is no higher position. There is no higher existence. We have achieved the fullness of God And he disciples us and he reveals himself to us and he brings out our gifts and all that fun stuff, right? But I'm not better than you because I'm a pastor because I've been walking with God for 11 years, right? Pastor Eric has been walking with God a lot longer than me. He's no better than me, right? And I've been walking with God longer than Isaac and I'm no better than Isaac, right? None of that stuff matters. There's so much teaching in there, right? The most important thing we can do is know God and be in him. And he will disciple us. He will bring us to a community, right? We understand all that fun stuff. So when we go through all this, understand it is not cool. I'll do this for a little bit. No, no. In the words of Louis C.K., no, this is just something you do now, okay? The things I'm going to read to you, there is no better beyond that. This is the best. This is the greatest. This is the most. This is everything, right? I'm going to take a drink of my coffee. God, that's so good, man. I bet it's Folgers, too. I just don't even notice. <laughs> it's great stuff. So, yeah. Um, he who remains in God, and God in him, shall bear much fruit. Right? that John 15, 5. He who abides in me, and I in him shall bear much fruit. Think about it this way. He who remains in me. It's like standing the test of time. Not growing weary and well-doing for in due season. We shall reap a harvest if you do not faint. Right, John fifteen, uh, verse one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I like that Jesus says that. He says, "I am the true vine." Almost makes me think <laughs> maybe there's other vines out there saying that they that they know what's going on, and Jesus is saying, "Hey, listen, I'm the source. I'm the true source. My Father is the vine dresser." Right? right? These other vines out there, their Father's not the vine dresser, so don't listen to them. Right? I am the true vine. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's a hardcore message right there. Red letter study, right? Words of Jesus. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit is taken away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it's not this promise of life not being painful. It is the promise that the pain produces. When you prune, it is to make it healthier. It is to make it grow better, make it grow in the right direction, right? It is correction. It means, excuse me, God's guiding hand is on you. So (laughs) you're not aimless. And I know a lot of times we feel aimless. Here's the promise of Jesus that if we abide in him, we are not aimless. Mm -hmm. Pastor John, can you poke Aaron? Oh, sorry. Oh, your eyes were closed. I thought you were falling asleep. I was like, not in this house, dog. That ain't happening. (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Okay. He bears, love you, bro, Uh, he bears much, honestly, I I do, I I really do love you, man, yeah, praise God, I just, I want you to hear it, man, okay, oh, okay, good, I just, I wasn't sure you had your eyes closed, I'm like, that's odd, you know, it is what it is, Um, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, is the promise of guidance, and the promise that it will be painful, Um, that it may bear more fruit, though, to benefit it, amen, already you are clean, because of the word that I've spoken to you. We're going to get to that later, but the words of Jesus, they are important. And already he's talking to his disciples, right? Already his disciples are clean. This is before his, 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 uh, his sacrifice on the cross. And he's telling them, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. Remain in me, and I remain in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, he's saying this word so much. It's right before his sacrifice, right? Like, this is important. He's saying, guys, abide, abide, remain, remain. Do not move on. Do not lose hope. Do not lose faith. Do not move on to bigger and better things. There is nothing bigger and better. Remain. Stay in this because I won't be here to guide you the way it is right now. Remain. Amen? Amen. Verse 5 which we already read, but we're going to read it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Man, like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's a hardcore message right there. So, so what, but what do we do with that? Do we move on? Do we ignore it? No, my God's a God of love. Yes, and this is love, <laughs> you know. God loves us because He sent His only begotten Son. Do we love God that we would accept Him? That this is our righteous, just God? That if we refuse God, that He then refuses us? That's just how it works, right? If you abide in Me, verse seven, and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be. It will, it <clears throat> ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There we go. I'm getting a little too excited. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Amen? Amen. We've talked about that a lot, right? That like good works don't save you, but good works come out of you if you truly are saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Like if you've truly put your faith open and trust in Jesus Christ, your life is changed. So you have to ask yourself, man, if, if I'm not growing, what am I doing? We're going to get to all that, all right? Don't you worry. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And he never tells us to move on. Remain in my love. Stay in my love. There is no love greater than the love that I have shown you. Amen? Verse 10, if you keep my commandments. That's the big one, right? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. right? So he says, remain in my love. Well, how do we do that, Jesus? Keep my commandments. You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus calls us to abide in God, have God's word abide in us and to abide in Jesus' love, a self-sacrificial love, a love that instructs and disciples, a love that brings truth to lies. His love is powerful. It is not simply just no, Aaron Rosenberg, because I was picking on you. Aaron, I love you. That's not it. It's, hey, Aaron, you're falling asleep on the front row, dude. Why? Wow, because I love you, dog. I don't want you to fall asleep on the front row. See, guys, I brought it back, right? It's because I love Aaron, right? That's why, I, that's, why I, that's why I told you to wake up. Didn't know you were awake, man. Just saying, it's a little odd. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 the, the love is a lot different. When we've seen the Bible that Jesus is rebuking people, that's Jesus' love right there. And it's not simply saying it's going to be okay, because sometimes it's not. What if someone's in a bad situation? It's simply not going to be okay. Do you love them enough to to, to tell them the truth? Or do you love their impression of you, their opinion of you so much that you would lie to them? So that they would think, But you know, he always encouraged me in bad times. You can encourage someone in a bad time. Say, hey, you know what? This situation does suck. Maybe it's not going to work out the way you think. But we're going to get through it. That's better. That's different, right? There is a way through this situation. There's something on the other side of it. That's real encouragement. And you can put your hands on that. That is a tangible encouragement right there. And that is the love that Jesus shows us. And he instructs us to show it to others. Amen. All right, so we're going to break this down. Um, let's start again with uh, verses one through five, right? So I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Again, we're going to get to that word later. Okay, so that's going to be in another another section. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What's Jesus saying in those first five verses? Hey, guys. You want to do good stuff. You want to be better. You want to be good. You want to move on, right? Or whatever, right? Stay in me. I am your source. You you, you can't do anything good apart from me. You you can't do anything good apart from God, right? Uh, When they're talking to Jesus and they're like, good teacher. And he says, why do you call me good? You know only God is good, right? Well, that principle remains here, right? You want good things to happen in your life. You want to be a good person, right? Abide in God. You want to have fruit that is worthy of being remembered. You want to have fruit that impacts people, that changes people's life. Yeah. You want to have fruit that, I mean, honestly, is, is in line with what God wants. You have to abide in him. You have to remain in him. And we may sit there and go, okay, but, like, what does any of that mean, right? Like this abide word. Well, as I said, it means to remain, abide, to think upon, to dwell, mm-hmm. to meditate. That's just part of it. As, as we go, we're going to break this down more, but, I mean, that's just part of it right there. Like, like. Do we take the time to think about God? Do we take the time to dwell upon what he would want? It says that when we abide in him, we bear much fruit. How can we bear fruit, right? How can we dwell in this God if we don't know him? So I think the first step here is know God. And I know everybody here, well, I know God. Okay, but do you know him in his word? Do you know him in times of prayer? Do you know him in fellowship and community with one another? Then I would say possibly you don't know God. Maybe not as well as you should. I really want to challenge you on that today. God has given us all the resources we have to know him. And God tells us to never move on from those things. To never graduate from those things. They are the greatest things that we have. We abide in God and we bear much fruit. It reminds me of Psalm 1. Where he, the, um, David's talking about the way of the wicked. And the seed of the scornful, right? All that fun stuff. But he says that the righteous man is planted beside the river of God like a tree, right? And its leaf never withers and its fruit is always in season. And we understand from the prophetic scriptures that the river of God flows from beneath God's throne and into the city of God. So we understand that the river of God is, (laughs) it comes directly from him. It comes from his authority. It comes from the place where he resides. It is the source so are we attached to that? Is that in our life? Would you say that, that, that if you were to be a tree, right? I don't, this sounds a little weird, right? But let's say if you were to be a tree, are you planted along the banks of the river of God? And if you'd say, well, I don't know, the answer should be yes. You should have, you should have no question about it. So if you're insecure about that, well, it's time to make a change. Amen? Amen? It's time to abide in God. Let's move on to the next section. Verses six through seven. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. That reminds me of the salt. Jesus teaches about salt in Matthew chapter five. He says, if it's lost its flavor, same here. If this branch doesn't bear fruit, it's almost like salt that has lost its flavor. What's the point? That shows me that we have a purpose in God. Our purpose is to bear fruit. Just like, with the salt analogy, our purpose is to preserve, right, bring flavor, bring something, bring substance into this world. Are we bearing substance for this world? No. Then what are we doing? But moving on, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will, it will be done for you, right? And we look at that, we go, sweet. You know, like when I was in an interim program and I heard that for the first time, I'm like, God, I pray that you give me $10,000, you know, and guess what? $10,000 never came. Uh, you want to know why? Because, uh, his word was not abiding in me. And, uh, so I didn't ask, uh, properly. See, if God's word abides in us, then we know God. We know God's character. God's character has come in and has changed us. Therefore we're going to pray differently. Yeah. So I'd like to maybe ask a question. Uh, uh, are your prayers being answered? Are you in a place where you'd say that your prayers are not being answered? Maybe the answer is you're not praying the right prayers. And you're like, well, God's not telling me. Well, Pastor Thomas is telling you right now. Here's God telling you right. He's, he's, I sound like Jerry Seinfeld right now. All right, he, he, he's not funny. <laughs> he's not. It, it is okay. His show's funny. He's just not funny. But um, maybe it's time to make a change, as I've said before, and it's time to get into God's Word. Now, we understand there's a big argument, right? Well, like, what's the word, right? Because this is the written word, but in the Bible, they're talking about the spoken word and the prophetic word of God. Yes, and the written word is the spoken word written down on paper. So, it is the word of God, but pen to paper. Amen? So, the word of God needs to abide in us. Well, how does that make any sense? Well, again, the teachings of Jesus, right? This is at the end. So he's talking to people who've been walking with him for three and a half years. They've got all of the lessons in their brain. They know what this means. When else does Jesus talk about his word? The farmer scattering seed on the field, right? He said the seed of God is the word of God. And when the farmer scatters it, depending on how the field is, that will determine what happens to the word. So the question is, is your field good to go? Or is it full of rocks? Is it full of thorns? Are there birds going around, swooping them up, right? Do you have a good field? That's the condition of your heart. That's your life. Honestly, <laughs> we could break this down. When it talks about the, the, the thorns and the thistles, Jesus says, these are the people in your life who take you away from the word of God. When it talks about the rocks, it's like, that's the condition of your heart. You have a hardened heart. When he talks about the birds, that's the demonic forces coming in, right? So have you made place for the devil? Do you have people in your ear who are telling you all this stuff is nonsense that, no, you just be true to you, live your truth, right, and all that other nonsense right there, lies that just, man, pat us on the back all the way to hell, right? Like, it's awesome stuff, right? Is that what our field looks like, or is our field clean? Have we taken the time to go through, get rid of the thorns, get rid of the stones, and to put up a scarecrow to get those birds away, you know what I'm saying, guys? Like, I know it's this funny analogy. Kevin told me not to be afraid to be uh, charismatic, so here I am. Thanks a lot, Kevin. God bless you. But no, he's right. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. But no, but but honestly, though, have, have you taken the time to tend your field? Have you taken the time to tend yourself, to clean out your life? Because when the word of God comes, guess what? Someone's over here to the side like, man, that's nonsense. Yeah. Then you're like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't want to look dumb. Yeah. Or do you have people in your life who want to help you know God better? Yeah. See, it all comes back to that daily message Pastor West spoke, yeah. Right? Daily devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. Daily devoting themselves to breaking bread and fellowship. Daily devoting themselves to the awe and the wonder and the fear of God. Their fields were clear. Clear. So let's look at our own lives. How clear is my field? What is discipling me? If God's word isn't abiding in me, something's abiding in me, right? It's the law of empty and the law of filling. If something is empty, it must then be filled. If I empty myself of God, something else is going to come inside. I have to constantly be in the place of having God in my life. Otherwise, something else will disciple me, and I will not bear good fruit. Amen? Jesus says that if the field is good and the seed lands upon it, it will bring forth fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. And that is the lesson that he is teaching in this section right here. That word, keep your field clean. Bear fruit. Have your word abide in me. Don't let something steal it. Dwell upon it meditate upon it. in the law, right back in the Old Testament, I'm doing that shred thing with Pastor Wes and Pastor Dodgel, and we just got through all the books of the law, which was a lot of fun. Um, and now we're in the histories, which is my, one of my favorite sections of the Bible. But I'm constantly being reminded to meditate upon God's law. Yeah. And when we get to Psalm 119 eventually, what does David write that entire beautiful psalm about? Your statutes, your laws, yeah. your will. God, your desires, I meditate upon them every single day. Like, God, I want to be like David, who has a heart after you. Do you meditate upon the law of God every single day? So let's take that away, right? We look at it all through the lens of the cross. Do you meditate upon the words of Jesus every single day? Do we do that? Do we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching daily? And no one can make you do that. You have to do that yourself, right? Is that something that you do? No? No condemnation? Fix it. Start, start with a little bit, start with something, but have God's word abide in you. Have it remain in you, amen? Amen. Amen. God gives us the choice to abide in him or don't, right? What do these two choices mean for us? Not abiding in God results in condemnation, right? No salvation, right? Like, we're not gonna remain in God. God's not gonna remain in us. We have no part of him. Be gone, I never knew you. That's the Bible right there. It is what it is, guys, and it's beautiful, Abiding in God and having his word rest within us results in our prayers being answered. And that's the other part of it, right? (laughs) He said, ask of me anything and it shall be done for you. Why? Because God can trust you. God can trust you to pray things according to his will, things that will further his kingdom. Because at the end of the day, God's not trying to partner with you to make something happen. God wants you to partner with him. God wants you to come up alongside him. He's the CEO. He's like, hey, can you be the bellhop?" Are you cool with that, dog? Move them around, right? Like, I want to be a manager. Can you be a janitor? I don't know. Something like that, right? I'm being charismatic. I'm trying it out. God bless you all. But God can trust our prayers. That's what I'd say. Obviously, God knows us, but God would answer the prayer because it comes from the right heart. And because we're asking things according to his will, why would God not want his will to come to pass? But do we know God's will? So how can we pray a prayer worthy of being answered if we don't know him? Amen? Let's move on. John 15, 8. This is a, a, a nice one, right? It's almost like a pause, in my opinion. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's saying, All this stuff, when you do it, when you remain in me, when you dwell upon me, when your word is inside of me, when I am your source, when you rely on me, my Father is glorified and you are proven to be my disciples. You bear fruit. It is tangible. We can see something in your life, and others can see it too. And not only that, but you'll do something about it. That's the thing, right? Like, God, I don't want to do anything about it. Awesome. Abide in him. That will happen. And sometimes it won't, and you just got to do something about it, and then it'll happen, right? Like, God, I don't want to evangelize. Evangelize anyways, and then you'll love it. It's great, right? <laughs> and that's, that's just the answer. Sometimes you look at it and you go, God, your word says I have to do it. But and it's like nope done. let just stop. Just don't even move on. Just God, your word says I have to do it. Cool. Period. Done. That's it. Right? Don't go on. Word says I got to do it. God, I got to do it. But God, you don't understand. I got. I got. You know. I, I just. I. I can't talk to people. You know. When Moses is like, but what if I don't say all the right words? And God's like, fine. I guess someone else will do it then, bro. And then and then Moses does it because he's like, yeah, God's right. I'm. I'm being kind of dumb right now, right? Who made your mouth? Is what God says to Moses. So same thing with you, right? Let's clear out the excuses. That was for free, by the way. So God bless you all. (laughs) By remaining in God, having his word remain in us, and by praying prayers that are in line with God's character and seeing them come to pass, we glorify the Father. By this we bear much fruit and show that we are his disciples, thus bringing God further glory. God uses us as an instrument for his glory, right? We are vessels of honor, is what Paul would say. And if that doesn't excite us, then maybe we haven't been abiding in him as we ought to, right? It should be exciting. I I get it, it's not always fun or high energy, but it is the most profitable thing we can do with our lives, is to bring God glory. John 15, 9 to 10, as the Father has loved me, excuse me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abiding in Jesus' love isn't passive. We abide in Jesus' love by following his commandments, right, which are summed up in three. Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, and loving one another as Jesus has loved us. Those are the three things Jesus has called us to do with his love. We have to do something with his love. We don't receive it and just sit on it. We do something with it. It is active. It is not passive. Amen. Amen. All right, and then John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So remember what I'm talking about, like, happy in him? This is what I'm talking about. Being happy in God, having peace in God, it's just a branch off of, of the tree. There's so much more to abiding in God. And the final promise he gives them is, you do all this, your joy is going to be full. Like, it could be a rainy day outside, but you're grateful, right? Your car could break down, and you're just glad that you're not stuck in a wheelchair, right? Like, like, all those things, like, I would give you joy. And even if you're stuck in a wheelchair, you're glad you're alive. But furthermore, you're just glad that you know Jesus. Hey, God, even if I died right now, I'd stand before you. Nothing can touch me. Don't fear man who can destroy the body. Rather, fear God who can destroy the body and soul and hellfire, right? That's what Jesus is saying. What can these guys do to you? God is greater. God can do more to you and yet he won't because he loves you and he's given you the promise of eternity. So why fear man? Amen? Here we have it. Living life in this manner brings the promise of joy. Jesus' joy is in us and our joy is full. So how are we happy in him? How are we satisfied in God? How do we not wander back to our sin? Back to our old ways, right? How do we prove that this wasn't just like a phase? You know, oh, that's just that crazy Jesus phase. I was watching a show and they kind of just mentioned that off to the side. This one girl was kind of, you know, she was wiling, as they say, right? I got all the coolest phrases, right? She was wiling. And in the midst of, like, all of this stuff he's mentioning, all of her phases that she went through, he even drops the, and you've went through the whole Jesus freak phase and moved on. And I sat there and I was like, okay, hold up. <laughs> hold up real quick, dog. Watch yourself right now. I'm spending my time watching this Netflix show, okay? You back off right now. Don't you come at me like that. He didn't listen to me. He just kept talking. I was like, all right, whatever. I could have just paused it, right? <laughs> Gone to the scene where he died. I would have been like, that's what you get, man. That's what you get. He didn't die, though. So it is what it is, guys. All right. So how do we do all that, though? We abide. We remain in God. It can never just be a phase if it doesn't end. Amen? It can never, oh, that's just a phase. No, it's their life. It's their lifestyle, right? Be the kind of person that if that ever did happen to you, they'd look at you and be like, man, I wish, I miss when you were a Christian. You seemed so much happier. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not that it ever would happen, but... Has God changed your life that much that people around you who don't even know God, it would affect them if you weren't walking with God, right? Like, 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 how much change have we really brought to the lives of the people around us? You know, kind of going over this, I've thought about my boss, who's a real hard case. Like, if you guys ever met him, you'd be like, wow, that's enough for today, right? You'd, <laughs> you'd hit his head, you know, like the snooze button, you'd power down, you'd get the heck out of there, right? You don't want him to come back up, right? But uh, if you're listening, I love you, sir. Um, but he's awesome. And uh, I've, I've gotten, I've been given moments to pray for him. But I have thought about it, and I'm like, God, there could be a lot more that I'm doing with this guy. And I get, I get convicted many times. You know, conviction's cool, but it's worthless if you don't do anything about it. Oh, so I'd ask you, like, the same question. Do you guys have any of that? Have you ever left the Starbucks and been like, I should have talked to the barista. I really should have done that. Well, again, I'd say that conviction is worthless if you don't do something about it. So we abide in that. We remain in that. We do something with it. Abiding is not passive. It is active. It is intentional. It is the product. Product. There we go. I don't know. My, my tongue is like sticking to the roof of my mouth. I should drink more coffee. That'll do it, right? It is the product, there we go, of a disciplined lifestyle, right? If you want to be a disciple, you have to be disciplined. They have the same root word, right? It is on purpose. It is on purpose. You don't accidentally do it, you're doing it on purpose. It is fulfilling, it is correct. And it is commanded of us by Jesus. In fact, it is one of his final commandments before going to the cross. He left his disciples with one final message. Abide in me that your joy may be full. Amen? So getting back to that original thing, right? Happy in him. How do we do that? We remain in him. We are transformed by him. We dwell upon his word and we do something with it. And we don't sit around and let other people do it. We don't let other people do it for us. We don't expect God to do it for us. He's done so much, it is our turn to do something with it. He crossed the bridge. He built the bridge, right? He, he did all the stuff. He brought it right up to us, and he's put it in our hands. It's our turn to do something with it. And he doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's given us the promise of his spirit, which resides in each and every one of us. And his spirit makes us able. The Bible says, right, I'm talking about salvation, right? You know, yeah, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Fulfilling God's will in our life, that's possible with God. Yes. By yourself, yeah, it's completely impossible, but with God, which you have, it is possible. Come on. Amen? Amen. All, right. all right, let's go ahead and uh, close out with some prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you desire us to be in relationship with you, God, that I know we've said that so many times, God. But your word actually says that, God. Your your word actually says that, God, that you wish to be with us, God. You wish to be in a relationship with us, God. It's not a funny catchphrase, God. It is real. It is theologically accurate, God. You want to be in a relationship with us. You want us to abide in you, God. Help us to abide in you, God. Help us, Lord, to focus on you, to think upon you, God, to fix our minds upon you, God, and to desire to accomplish your will, God. I bless your holy name. And I thank you for today and all that you've done, God. Help us, Lord, make our ground good, God. Make our fields good, God, that we may receive your word and that it may produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. God, we bless you in Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen.